welcome to Zombie Fishbowl. I'm Danielle, and with me is... Melanie! Oof. Melanie, are you okay? You sound a bit off. I have a cold. I've had a cold for what feels like the last ten years, but it's probably just been since Wednesday. Uh, it's Monday? Yeah, so quite a few times... Yes, for a while I've had a cold. Yeah, we've we've put off recording for a day to help her um, recover slightly. Has it helped? Yes, I'm I am doing much better than I was like two days ago, but uh, I'm still deaf in one ear. So if I just start yelling, you'll know why. It's because I can barely hear anything. No, oh, or that you just start yelling randomly anyway. Huh? What? <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> It looks really nice where you are. Is it? Uh, how's the weather? It is so humid and muggy. I have to turn off the fan. I'm, I'm upstairs, no, upstairs bedroom. Mm. I have to turn off the fan so that you can hear me. So usually about like 40 minutes into us recording, recording, I'm just like covered in sweat. Oh dear. But I turned the AC down, so it should be blasting some pretty cold air. Hopefully that won't happen this time. Okay. It is also very warm here in Britain. We are experiencing a little mini heat wave. Um, I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah, what was that? That was a fucking seagull through my chimney because we are still, you know, we're old fashioned here. We have still got chimneys. (laughs) Um, I have a chimney in my front room and I have a chimney in my back room. (laughs) And I... I recorded the the seagulls um, yesterday or the day before because they were so relentless just so that I could post it on my new thing called Clip because I've started a (laughs) Clip account where I'm going to start putting like little short snippets of our basically our bloopers and things like that. Yeah, Um, we got some good ones. Yeah, there are. I have to I have to sit and go through um, all the other ten episodes. Well, nine episodes, ten episodes. And find little bits to put up on there. But I've also recorded the seagulls. And there's like a minute where you literally can't hear anything but seagulls. That's my life. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, that's not the purge. That doesn't come till after the update. But just know that they're always on my mind. And that occasionally (laughs) you will hear seagulls coming through the chimney. And I am using every ounce of my self-restraint not to comment on them constantly <laughs> that's my first time hearing it so that was that was uh that was fun i'm sorry but i got a little <laughs> little peek into your life and that felt that felt uh, satisfying i yeah, love you I hear them in my sleep oh and i don't even need to hear them in my sleep because they are actually calling at night so <laughs> it's redundant for my brain to be doing that anyway <laughs> we do have i have an update so i'm gonna go into you know, update mode. Hold on. <clears throat> update. I'm an idiot, and I need to write shit down when I think I know what I'm talking about. I don't. There's a couple of errors in the previous episode. Glaring errors, which I shall never make again, and I apologize. I <laughs> misnamed the late, great Gareth Thomas, who is over my shoulder here, if Melanie can see. That is Gareth Thomas. Yeah. Not Gareth Roberts, who's a writer for Doctor Who, who is a part of the, you know, in 
you know, world of. But he yeah, is, we're still applicable. But... Yes, but he's not a part. He's not Gareth Thomas. And also the quote that gets circulated that I said about Blake Seven is not magnificent seven in space. They are samurai. Um, <laughs> it's the dirty dozen <laughs> in space. Now you can see how I got confused there because Magnificent Seven, Blake Seven, Dirty Dozen, it's all, you know, it's, you know, nah, be nice. Yeah, nah, but it's Dirty Dozen in space, not Magnificent Seven. So those are my updates. Do you have any? No, but no, I really want to see some samurai in space. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Kuwasawa, get on that. Yeah, get on it. Um, Oh god, I hope Magnificent Seven is the samurai movie, or else I've just made a mistake while correcting my mistake. I think so. <laughs> that or they're like mobsters. I don't know. I'm sick, man. My brain. I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my laugh is so mucusy. Sorry about that. It's gonna get gross. Just All right. Avoid using the term mucus because that is nasty. Mucus. Oh, I thought you were going to say phlegm, which is also... (laughs) (laughs) Next time you're sick, we need to do an episode on, like, Cronenberg or body horror. Yeah, oh, goo. Just lots of goo. Goo. Gooey episode with sick melody. I love describing my physical ailments in, like, the, the grossest ways possible. Every time it's my lady time, poor Tim, he's got to go through it. Because I just, I describe it in hideous, gooey, sticky, fibrousy detail. Nice. I don't uh, describe, I use emojis. And you know all about my emojis. Oh God, your, your emoji game is so strong. I, I still don't do the emoji thing. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. But, oh shit. Peach punching. I, it's the best. I, I do think that the the pounding peach is probably my my four star top top level emoji. It's my favorite thing. If I could change my name to an emoji, that would be it. <laughs> it's fucking perfect. I'll give you that. It is pretty good. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, right. So I'm in kind of a good mood, but there's still like things to purge about. Do you have anything yeah. to purge about other than your illness? Uh, no, really, that's it. It's just been one long week of, first it was stress, and then sick, and then lady time, and it's just been, like, all the misery that you can compound into one small little, like, two-week period, but I'm okay. My Emotionally, I'm good. I'm so much better than last week, where I was, like, you know, kind of a wreck about my mm-hmm. kids going to school. Emotionally, I'm good, but the getting over the hump of that i had no immune system left so i'm just kind of like i am a big meat sack full of goo right now aren't we all (laughs) i'm extra gooey yeah right i'm gonna purge about people who shout at their children in front of my house oh yeah i thought it would be funnier than that if i'm honest um Basically, it's it's really warm, so I've got to have the window open and try to ignore the seagulls. But then it, people decide it's like must be a subliminal thing when they come across a house that has an open window that they have to stop with their pram and turn around and shout at their child that is of walking size um, for various things. See, I I live on a thoroughfare street, 
um, to get to the promenade. I live right yeah. up against the beach, basically, but without being facing the beach. And so my street, because it's kind of um, not residential on both sides, on the other side of my street is um, like a there's a courthouse and a police station and a hotel and things like that. So it's kind okay. of like the road that people walk down to get to the promenade when they're coming from deeper in my town. Yeah. Because um, it's not like just drop walking down someone's street. It's a little bit more opening, open and welcoming, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, we get quite, quite, you know, it's a mix of people of different yeah. backgrounds and social status. And I'm seeing really nice ways of saying that sometimes we get some really dodgy people walking down our street. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, very, very frequently, these types of people um, <laughs> will stop in front of my house and discipline their child for simply doing childish things. Yeah. Either going to the beach and the kid has all the energy of wanting to, oh, I'm going to the beach, I'm going to the beach. And so mommy's going, you know, I'm not going to scream like one of them because then I would be no better than them. But we'll like scream at the child, calm down. You're only yeah. going to the beach. Chill out. But they don't use nice language. They swear yeah. and they shout at their children. And then I get them coming back as well when the kid's pooped, has used up all of their energy and is now walking yeah. incredibly slowly and mum's going, hurry up! Get your yeah. ass here kind of thing. And it's always my house. Why can't they do it a few doors down? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're doing it as somebody with children. I'm sure they're doing it the entire way. You know, I'm not going to say <laughs> I'm I'm quite pleasant with my children most of the time, but I will admit that sometimes I'll just be like, "What what are you doing? Why why just please move or please stop moving?" Um but yeah, no, I get similar things when I work cuz I work in the mall. Yeah. Uh Yeah, just stop touching that fucking thing. Oh god, he's just like 5. Leave him alone. It's okay. He can touch stuff. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just I'm a dink, which is a <laughs> dual income no kid. So I don't appreciate people shouting at their children in front of my home because it's my home where children yeah. aren't allowed. So don't bring your, <laughs> your kitty drama into my home. It's just, oh, it just, it's all, it just has been so frequent. So yeah. frequent. And um, I kind of sometimes feel like I want to be like, you know, a little bit uh, like, I don't know, like I want to say, hey, chill out. It's a child. But then they yeah. know where I live. So um, <laughs> there's a danger in that. Um, so let's not go down that road. But, you know, just some advice to parents a little bit. You know, if you are going to shout at your demonic sprog try to check around you first for open windows um <laughs> keep the volume down to a minimum if you see some some lady sitting in her front room trying to watch uh netflix and you know you know her windows are wide the fuck open you could scare the shit out of her <laughs> as happened on many occasions because i assume they're shouting at me first <laughs> hey, stop doing that what <laughs> uh -oh. Or like, don't touch. What? What am I? What? 
Alright. Okay, so as long as parents can take that into consideration from now on, whoever listens to this podcast and has kids, you know, just check for open windows before you scream. Yes? Yes. Okay. I know I will. Oh, oh that's a relief. That's, that's a relief. Okay. Right. Shall we breathe Deep on breath? it? Yes. Yes. One, two, three. Oh, that one came with a vibration. Yeah, I felt that. Mm. I hope you felt it at home. (laughs) (laughs) That was a present from me to you. (laughs) I'm glad that everyone who listens breathes with us. Yeah. I think that's that's really satisfying to know. Yeah. For all the reasons (laughs) that you mentioned. That was good. Right. (laughs) So in today's episode, we are going to talk about mirror people. Yay! So this was a listener suggestion, and the listener was Mikey, Melanie's sister. Does she know that we're doing this yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she knows, and we've we've had some talks, and um, I I gotta say this this is so much. I, I mean, I was raised on on mythology and and fantasy stories and things like that, and I've always loved this stuff. But my sister was always really a really particularly passionate about mermaids. So this is also sort of like my, I don't know, not homage to my sister, but it's like a gift to my sister. I I love her and I love more people and it's all just like, it's it's a, a bundle of love and I'm really excited about this episode. Oh good, because I didn't go down the cynical route this time, Melanie. Yay! Oh, <laughs> gay positivity, man! Positivity. Well, it has a very somber and self-reflective conclusion. Okay. But it is uh, my study that I decided to do is far more positive and far more inclusive of mer people in general than you might have suspected I may have gone because there were nice. lots of routes there were lots of routes I could have gone with this yeah. um, and the good old Google Scholar took me down a path I didn't think I was going to go down so there you go nice. So teasers for my bit. But first I'm going <laughs> to sort of go into the definition and background of mermaids. Yes. Now here I may tread a little bit on Melanie's uh, later lore that she's going to bring to the podcast. But I promise that I don't go into any real detail and that if Melanie comes back to it, you'll get the juicy stuff from her, literally. Yeah. So... For our purposes, we defined merpeople as any aquatic humanoid, regardless of scaliness. If they're humanoid who reside in water, they be merfolk. And that is how we'll be referring to them. Or at least I will be referring to them as merfolk, because that is a more, you know, politically correct term. Merfolk. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm going to go into that a little bit now. This is my own words. So this is my own sort of thing. Right. I'm probably edit that out. <laughs> These are the words that I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> On that more political note, I thought I'd do this little side note. So mermaids, so the term mermaids, are biologically female merfolk in that they appear to have the mammary glands comparable to those of female humans. Though their reproductive method is unknown, as well as the gestation process. <laughs> Mermen are biologically male merfolk, Though, for the same reasons, it is unclear whether the male-female biological indicators 
are consistent in merfolk as in homo sapiens so we're making certain assumptions here okay gender is a human construct and i am unable to comment on the genders of merfolk only that they appear to follow a sexual dichotomy along the same visual divisions as humans yeah okay beautiful thanks so that was my little you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah bitch i'm woke anyway Now into the history of uh, mermaid and merfolk folklore. Uh, The first recorded mermaid story dates to around 1000 BC or 3000 years ago in Assyria. As a female goddess who falls in love with a shepherd lad and whether by shame or heartbreak, she throws herself into a lake and eventually turns into a half human, half fish, but remains divine. So there's that thing there. Don't worry, I'm not going any further than that. Uh, the early Babylonians had a fishman uh, god called Ea. I think it's yeah. probably pronounced Ea. The Phoenicians had one called Dagon. Australian Aborigines have York Yorks, who reside in freshwater. Ancient Greeks and Romans have freaking loads, including the yes. Sirens, Triton, or oh, so many. A uh, little fun side note, the Sirens actually had feathers, not scales. Yep, they were birdies. They were birdies. They were so hot as well. They were so sexy. Uh, They got it on with gods all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Early Europeans have sprites. Again, they don't have scales. Um, And in Africa, the Mamiwata are water spirits who do have fish tails, but also sometimes appendages of snakes or crocodiles. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. What were they? They're called Mamiwata. Mamiwatas. Oh, I like it. It's good. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but, you know. And that We're possibly trying. kind of goes over to the Caribbean and things like that when they, when they are moved against their will from Africa. Yeah. Um, so very similar things might occur in the, in the Caribbean and other such places. Um, medieval China have the, oh gosh, right, um, Jiaorian, 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 Jiaorian. <laughs> keep saying it in different tones, like Tom Allen on Home Improvement. Tim Allen, sorry. Jiaorian, <laughs> which basically shark people. And the yeah. Jiao, Jiao people who spun silk. So there's like the Jiao and the Jorian, Jorian, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. I will put my hands up right now. I'm really not good at pronouncing things. I'm about to kill, you know, I'm about to also uh, butcher a Scottish word. So it's it's not anything personal. Um, in Britain, we've got in England, at Durham Castle, uh, built in the 11th century, there is a depiction of a mermaid at the top of a Norman column, a Norman column in the chapel, which is the earliest known depiction of a um, mermaid that still survives in England, as well as a 600-year-old chair, which is carved with mermaid design, which is in Cornwall. In Ireland, they have the Laban, who is actually a sanctified mermaid, um, based on earlier myths. So the myth was around, and then later on she's baptised when Ireland becomes Christianized, so that they could still have her, I guess, in their iconography because she's been sanctified, which is, you know, 
kind of cool. And they also have uh, someone called Mero. I, I believe that's a female mermaid as well. There's like a 50 to 1 ratio here in the same sort of way that witches were predominantly female. It's kind of of the same creek. So assume unless otherwise stated that we're talking about female uh, merfolk. And in Scotland, oh, God, there was, I went and I looked to see if there was anywhere that could tell me how to pronounce this, and there was no help from anywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's called like the Seesg. 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 I don't know because it's like a Celtic word. C E A S G. It's not as obvious as that because if you think about Irish. No. Yeah, Gaelic the, the born is spelt with O's and I's and G's and H's and, and things. So it, it, it literally could be pronounced C for all I know. It um, probably is. C? Yeah. Well, there's also um like, uh, oh, what are they called? Oh, shit. Uh, like the Fae folk, folk in Ireland, they call them, um, yeah, the, the Shay, the Shay. Uh, but I, know, I don't think that's the same thing, but they, mm. it's, written with like 12 different vowels <laughs> but it's it's just pronounced like the she or something like that the mm-hmm. she yeah that's what i'm thinking i think c-e-a-s-g might possibly just be c yeah anyway she's half salmon half woman which is pretty cool they know the specific fish <laughs> nice so that's just a list of some examples it's not exhaustive there's loads um but i don't want this to get too listy so I just thought I'd give you a bit of background. It it, it does appear that, uh, that quite a lot of cultures, and I mean, even like the Aborigines in Australia have a water people myth. And I didn't, I didn't really think it was going to be like universal. I thought it was going to be pretty predominantly European, but I was That's proven cool. quite wrong. Yeah, um, it seems that most cultures have some kind of water deity, some kind of um, half hybrid. Um, water deity specifically so that's pretty cool so at first I thought I was gonna you know with my sort of angle with this I thought I was gonna go down the route of like mermaids in churches like why are mermaids in churches since they are like kind of pagan symbolism culty symbolism so why are they in churches why are they in Christian spaces and then I thought maybe um, when I was sort of thinking about the interpretation of like the psychological roots of the myth um, so like mermaids are manifestations of like male fear of the feminine yeah. or that they're possibly because they're like paradigms of the deviation from righteousness. So maybe there was a little bit of like I could do a little bit of religion, a little bit of psychology and then explore why there was a resurgence of them today, similar to the unicorn. Yeah. But as interesting as all that sounds, and I still kind of want to do that just for fun. What happened was I was led to an article about mermaids that was written from the perspective that mermaids should be taken seriously and studied properly, like any other species that could be possibly extinct or hitherto unknown, you know, yeah, origins like and populations. Dragons. I refuse to accept that dragons did not exist. <clears throat> um, okay. <laughs> so this paper... For- 
which was written in 1990, uses a combination of like ethno-archaeological, anthropological, archaeological, and historical methods to scientifically explore the biology, culture, and possible reasons for the diminished sightings of and lack of evidence for merfolk. Nice. I really liked this idea, and so it sort of made me think. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna approach this as if mermaids are a real thing right yeah um so just switch off that cynical side of my brain it also led me to another article called are mermaids real um and that one was from 2018 which is basically reminding scientists that they need to be objective by choosing which questions are worthy or not to be asked we're stunting scientific progress so I've always personally felt there's like a snobby kind of holier than thou attitude within some scientific circles and in archaeology when it comes to exploring superstition and mythology and folklore. But that hasn't stopped me. So I thought, right, okay. I I am not, however, admitting that I believe in merfolk. Fair enough. Okay. I am saying that we can apply scientific methodology and interpretation to the information that we've got. And why the hell shouldn't we? Yeah. All right. So for the next few minutes, imagine that merfolk are real folk. <laughs> and this is <laughs> Here are some suggestions from the expert within a scientific community, a chap called Carl Bantz. Carl Bantz in his paper, Mermaids, Their Biology, Culture, and Demise. Nice. Right, so there are three species with possible subspecies which can be distinguished, identified by their description and geographic location. The Siren Serena, the European species, residing in the Mediterranean and Lusitanian areas, also known as the Nomen Nudum, and their subspecies, Nixie. Next is the siren indica, the American species, residing from the Atlantic side of the Americas, not the Pacific side. And the third species, which is the hardest to pronounce, the siren (laughs) erythria, (laughs) erythria, we think, the eastern species, which is from the Red and Arabian Seas and the Indonesian Isles. So those are our three species. They all need warm water because they are thin-skinned, like humans, and do not have a blubber-dense fatty layer to insulate them from the cold. They are either restricted by the need to remain in warm-watered areas or follow warm currents to travel, trade, and interact with humans. They may venture into cold climates for short periods, perhaps to collect items from those places which would be considered valuable because of their rarity and difficulty in attaining. Similar to how Neolithic people would travel great distances to particular areas to procure specific stone for their tools. This, Bantz suggests, could be how certain shells might be collected to be used as currency and limit the availability... Oh, sorry... Yeah, so a limit is availability because it's rare and also reduce the likelihood that it'll be forged because it's um, hard to replicate, you know, exotic shells. Um, There was examples of shells being used as currency with the North American Indians because they use wampums. So, yeah, Yeah. ethnographic parallel there. Um, Culturally, they are unlikely to have developed past the Stone Age in terms of technology, due to being underwater. 
And fire, <laughs> the necessary element in metallurgy and pottery production, not being waterproof. Yeah, not being something they can do. No. They were most like this is my favorite. This is my favorite fact. Yes. They were most likely farmers cultivating shellfish and seagrass. Yes. <laughs> they they could carve out of lava rock or lava stone. In what way? You know, with with the sharp sharpened tools, they could like. You know, they can't really cast or anything like that, but I mean, there there are, like... Uh, we could probably cut this out because I'm sounding stupid. Um, but yeah, like, lava. Lava comes down. They could probably take it while it's still hot and use that for something. Oh, to substitute as fire? Yeah. Oh, I think that might be too hot. I don't know. I like <laughs> your thinking. I know, I like your thinking. Like, they can't have fire, but lava can remain hot underwater. Um, yeah. But perhaps maybe that helps the water stay warm so they can live there. But maybe if they got too close, they would, like, get too hot, possibly? They'd get too hot, yeah. But, I mean, there are some creatures that can, can definitely survive near enough. And maybe it's like glass blowing. They've sort of figured out a way to, <laughs> to do it from a distance, you know? I mean, it's not entirely impossible. Um, I'm just imagining glass blowing mermaids now. <laughs> there's a lot of things that it's like taking the, the lava like taffy and like molding it into things i mean there's there's a part of me that kind of wants to see that i don't really know how to finish that sentence i don't know, I don't know where i was going with that i was just throwing it out there well they, have, they could have some heat stuff they could like throw Throw fish at it and it'll cook when it hits the lava. I don't know. All right, ignore that. Pardon I me. mean, they are they are near the warm places, so yeah, it would be near active volcanoes in you know mm-hmm. some parts of the world if they're in warm water. Um, but um, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Anyway, <laughs> um, see the thing is the reason we don't find any evidence of these civilizations is because of glacial and post-glacial transgressions. So basically glacial movement and climate changes have covered over the archeological remains of these places and people. So no burials, no evidence of settlement, no artifacts, etc. It is already difficult to do underwater archeology, span but it would be so obscured by the movements of the stratigraphy on the seabed that we wouldn't be able to distinguish it from naturally occurring patterns and events. So, you know, we just wouldn't be able to tell what was going on. Now, as to the reduction of sightings since the age of discovery, which is when there was, they were at the peak, this should not be put down to simply people no longer believing in merfolk. This could be a combination of a few factors, including a reporting bias due to the stigma and embarrassment one might have in admitting to seeing a mermaid um, in more enlightened times. And also, and most significantly, because they were actually becoming extinct. So the author concludes that due to 
changes in the marine technology brought about by the introduction of mechanized fishing and dynamite fishing, the ecosystem of the environments that the merfolk lived was severely disrupted. Merfolk were unable to move from the places they had settled because of the water temperatures, but because of the disruption to the ecosystem, toxic, poisonous jellyfish became more numerous and basically wiped them out. Their thin skin made them stay in certain areas and their thin skin made them susceptible to the poison in the stings of jellyfish. So sightings were reducing because of reporting bias, logic replacing superstition, and because they were actually dying out. Yeah. So in conclusion, we killed the mere folk. We've killed the mermaids, you guys. With our careless activities and the way that we fish and climate change has removed all evidence of their existence from the archaeological record so there Victorian English with their mummy burning (laughs) I don't think that it has to do with the mummy burning this time totally does Mm. climate change is all because of your mummy burning you guys mummy eating I think it's probably a contributing factor because of the mummy's curses Yes, but um, the curses going into the atmosphere causing all kinds of of wicked problems, as well as us dynamiting the shit out of the sea. Yeah. Um, and basically screwing up the ecosystem down there, and they've gone extinct. So mermaids did used to exist, but they just don't anymore because we killed them. Or there might be there might be a few left hiding deep in the trenches. I mean, Maybe. it's possible, Melanie, if you want to be an optimist about it, but do you no, live in I this am. world? <laughs> do you know how much ocean is left unexplored? Quite a bit of it. Yeah, but that's cold ocean. <laughs> I know. But we evolved. We uh, Creatures evolve. You have to have millions of years to do that. don't know how long the mermaids have been here. All right, yeah, I've lost well, Right, yeah, we're going to get into evolutionary debate here, but uh, you know, I think they may, might need a couple, a more than a couple hundred years to um, adapt to, um, you know, cold climates, or they just, you know, bought leather coats. They've been, yeah, they've been, uh, they figured out how to make coats out of seals, and uh, they've been keep they they created their own blubbery uh, <laughs> uh, garb to keep them warm. So, what did you think of that, Melanie? That was awesome. All right. I loved that. That was so much fun. Cool. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the smile on my face is huge. I'm so happy with all that. Even though we, <laughs> we even though we are possibly responsible for the annihilation of an entire civilization of half fish, half human people. Well, yeah. Okay. Aside from us having definitely killed all the mermaids, uh, I love the study uh, that exists that potentially they did exist in the first place yeah takes it seriously yeah yeah i love that i'm a, i'm a, like i said I'm a, I'm a big mythology nerd i still i still do the whole fey folk thing i love leaving cream out for the fairies and uh i i just like living in that world now i also understand that yes reasonably fairies dragons mermaids don't exist didn't exist but it makes my spirit feel good <laughs> my it just makes me feel good to believe that they can respond to to what I do, uh, bring luck into my house. I have a dragon altar where I leave coins, and and I have 
I lose everything. I've yet to lose a single coin on my dragon altar. And there's a shit ton of change there. But I, I, yeah, I lose everything. I've moved over 30 times in my 33 years of life. I lose stuff. I've yet mm-hmm. to lose a single coin. Anyway, that's besides the point. But yeah, I, I just, I love it. I, I love believing in it regardless of proof. Uh, so that made me happy. Oh, good. I like to believe it regardless of proof. That's just you and me in a nutshell, like <laughs> two sides yep. of a coin. Yep. <laughs> I, I need proof. <laughs> I do not. I go with my gut and my gut is always right. And my gut tells me that fairies are real. And uh, me and my sister, we used to, we used to just, when we would go to the beach uh, most people are looking for when the mermaid, or for when the uh, dolphins, you know, jump out of the water, stuff like that. And you can see that out here. You can see when the dolphins jump out of the water and the seals and the sea lions hanging out on the beach. It's it's awesome. But we were always waiting to see the mermaids, you know, just just keeping our eye out on the horizon, waiting to see a mermaid just swimming with those dolphins. It was just it's just how we were as kids. We we're passionate about it. So do we want to get into some mermaid stories? Yes, please. Okay. So, so yeah, there was the, the very first, first known mermaid story was, uh, Atargatis from Assyria, uh, 1000 BC. She was the goddess of the moon, femininity and water. She was also pretty much like the goddess of Syria. The Romans even referred to her, her, uh, referred to her as Dea Syria, meaning, meaning, you know, the Syrian goddess. You pretty much summed up her story. There's not a whole lot. I mean, when researching these kinds of stories, you have like 15 different tellings of it, mm-hmm. you know, and they all kind of vary in so many different ways. But the the gist of it was Adargatis was a goddess and she fell in love with the mortal shepherd. They had a daughter, Semiramis, who later became queen of Assyria. Uh, she was known for creating the hanging garden, gardens of Babylonia. Uh, mythology shift, but either in shame of her human love or for accidentally killing or injuring her human lover, she flung herself into the ocean. Her beauty could not be constrained, and she became the first merperson. Uh, sometimes she is seen as a maiden with a fish tail instead of legs, and sometimes she is just seen as a large fish mm. with a beautiful woman's face. And one arm, I remember, if I remember. Yeah, one arm. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. This is my humaning arm. <laughs> Um, she's also been identified uh, with Hera, Aphrodite, Venus, Rhea, Sibylle. She was the base on which a lot of other uh, main female goddesses were sort of uh, grown from. So I do have a Scottish one, and I am going to resist so hard to mm. speak in an accent. No, don't resist, dear. It's yeah. so hard. Because I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> people, people, people want to hear the accents, Melanie. People want to hear them. All right. Well, if and I slip into the accent, <laughs> if I slip into the accent, I apologize, um, and I can't promise I'll be able to get out of it. So this one I thought was interesting because it is not mermaids, but mermen. Oh. Ish. The blue men of the Minch, also known as storm kelpies. They are specific to one of Scotland's roughest stretches of water, the Minch. Unlike most mythological creatures, they have no known counterpart elsewhere in the world. Donald Mackenzie wrote in Wonder Tales from Scottish Myths and Legends from 1916. He wrote this. 
They are of human size, and they have great strength. By day and by night they swim round and between the Shant Isles, and the sea there is never at rest. The blue men wear blue caps and grey faces which appear above the waves that they raise with their long, restless arms. In summer weather they skim lightly below the surface, but when the wind is high they revel in the storm and swim with heads erect, splashing in the waters with mad delight. Sometimes they are seen floating from the waist out to sea, and sometimes turning round like porpoises when they dive. Hmm. They're believed to live in caves deep down below the surface, uh, in like sort of a tribe. They have chiefs. And that's what I was, when you were talking about the mermaid, uh, your mermaid article, I thought that was kind of cool. Because, yeah, it's, it seems to be more like a tribal kind of uh, civilization. It did. The paper did actually go into the possibility of the sort of social arrangements, but it was using Hans Christian Andersen as the source. Um, uh. So I was like, OK, I can stretch my disbelief so far. But if you're citing a, um, a, a well-known fairy tale as your yeah. source for the social structures of merfolk, then I'm going to kind of omit that just for the sake of brevity and also believability. Yeah. So yeah, it's believed they have the power to create storms. Stories have been passed down for generations, and it's said that the only way to survive one of their storms is to have the last word in a rhyming duel with them. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. I love that so much. I love it so much. It's it's very Scottish. It's very Scottish because they really do. They do do the the sort of um, Scottish song and and um, poetry thing. They're they're definitely yeah yeah. That's cool. Oh, that it just makes me so happy. And and I just like imagining that these sailors are swimming through are are sailing through the Minch, and a storm hits, and their first reaction is to run up. And just start screaming rhymes into the ocean. I just really hope that that's how that went down. We can only hope. We can only hope. But I mean, it's 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 been a thing for a long time. The Minch is notoriously really treacherous to to sail through, particularly, you know, hundred or so years ago. Longer than that, two hundred years ago. I keep forgetting that only a hundred years ago was like nineteen twenty and. Time is different now. Yeah. So growing up, there was this book that me and my sister loved. It was one of our favorite books. It was called Mermaid Tales from Around the World. Pretty simple title. Retold by Mary Pope Osborne, illustrated by Troy Howell. Beautiful artwork. Really, really beautiful artwork. And it had some fantastic stories in it. All I wanted was for my sister to, to like, she has the book somewhere. And I'm all like, can you just take a picture of every page of that book so I can read it and then like research from there. She couldn't find it. Mm. Yeah. I was really sad, but it had some uh, great stories like the mystery of Melusine, Manana of the waterfall, sea nymph and the Cyclops, enchanted cap, Nastasia of the sea, some really, really tremendous stories. And as soon as I find that book, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to read the whole book on YouTube. I don't care. Something that book is fucking phenomenal. But one of them that she brought up and, and reminded me of some really beautiful artwork she sent me uh, was Melusine, who is uh, primarily like a French story. And a lot of families in France claim heritage to her, uh, claim lineage with her. So here's what I got. One day during the crusade, Elinus, king of Albany, went hunting and saw a beautiful woman in the forest. This was Pressine 
a fairy or nymph. Elinus persuaded her to marry him, but Pristine demanded a promise that he may never enter her chamber when she birthed or bathed her children. For many years he kept his promise, but as is usual in these tales, eventually he broke that promise. Mm. She gave birth to triplets, Melusine, Melion, and Pelatine. Elinus was so excited at the prospect of having three daughters that he rushed into the birthing chamber. Brokenhearted, Pristine immediately grabbed her newborn girls and fled to the lost isles of Avalon. On their 15th birthday, Melusine asked her mother why they had been taken away, or why they'd fled to Avalon. When she learned of her father's betrayal, she sought revenge. Her and her sisters kidnapped Elinus and locked him and his treasures in a mountain. Her mother, Pristine, upon hearing about this bullshit, <laughs> punished her daughters. Melior was turned into a, a sparrow hawk and kept in a castle in Armenia until rescued. Palatine was imprisoned with her father's treasure on a mountaintop in Aragon, and Melusine was condemned to take the form of a serpent or a fish, stories differ, from the waist down every Saturday. If she found a husband who agreed to never see her on a Saturday, she could remain human. If she was seen, though, then she would re remain a mer-creature until Judgment Day. So years go by, and Melusine is living in the forest. She essentially becomes like queen of the forest of some complicated French name. Um, this is the daughter. Yes, it's one of the daughter. The daughter that was not uh, held captive somewhere else. This is right. Melusine. Yeah. So Melusine the half fairy becomes fairy queen of some complicated French forest. Long story short, she was hanging out by a fountain in a lovely white gown when a young human man comes and steals her heart. By dawn, they were betrothed. He agreed to the weird Saturday rule and everything. And these, this is, again, where the stories differ. He was either a poor noble named Raymond of Poitiers. Some stories say he was Siegfried of the Ardennes of the uh, Luxembourg line. Yeah, with them. Yeah, very familiar. Yeah. Um, now, whether Ardon or Poitier both ended up with castles or estates of considerable worth, seemingly overnight. In the story of Poitiers, they had the fort Fortress of Lusignan. I'm probably mangling it. I apologize. Mm. I have a cold. I'm going with that. Unless you have an excuse. Yeah. The, fort <laughs> the Fortress of Lusignan, if it's Siegfried of the Ardons, it was the Castle of Luxembourg. They both seemed to be built overnight. As they were married, their fortunes were just boundless, were just growing exponentially. It seemed like a castle or a church or a tower or, or fortress was being built every night for months, just huge, vast cities being built. So we'll stick to the story of Raymond for this time, for this uh, Raymond of Poitiers for this uh, case. Raymond and her bore ten children, each child bearing a strange flaw. The eldest had one red eye and one blue. Another had, child had one ear larger than the other. Another had a lion's foot growing out of his cheek. Yeah. The sixth son was known as Geoffrey with the great tooth because he had one like tusk-like tooth coming out from his lower jaw. Though flawed, the children were strong, talented, and loved throughout the land. Okay. One day... Huh? I just said, okay... <laughs> this is the least believable part is that people would still beloved these children 
probably because the 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 overall town the overall city was thriving so much they couldn't really like give him too much shit um one day again as per usual in these stories raymond could not resist peeking in on melusine on one of her secret saturdays he peeked in while she was bathing because for the most part she stayed into in the bathroom in the bathing room on her saturdays once his betrayal was discovered, one of two things happened, depending on who's telling the story. In the case of her having a serpent tail, upon being discovered, she turned into a 15-foot-long serpent. She circled around the castle three times, wailing, sobbing, and screaming, and then vanished. It is said that she would return, wailing at the death or birth of a Count of Lusignan. Some tales said she turned into a dragon and would circle the towels before tragedy would befall the city. Another say she was trapped in mermaid form and would return to wail in the night at her untrusting husband, essentially haunting him. Mm. So the fun thing about her is some people believe that she is the Starbucks mermaid. Oh, okay. Yeah, some of the paintings done of men have seen, she's got two fishtails that curl up. Okay. So like, oh, it's like the Starbucks mermaid. Okay, I did actually think about finding out what the origins of the Starbucks mermaid was and decided not to go down that route for it's really you know, not much reasons <laughs> yeah I looked into it and I guess because Starbucks is a nautical term they wanted an image that was nautical and all they did was they found a Nordic woodcut of a mermaid with two tails bare-breasted mm. um and went yeah that'll do yeah that's pretty that's <laughs> pretty pretty much it. They just covered her tits with their hair, and and uh, that was it. But yeah, no no real deep forethought went into the Starbucks mermaid. But it's possible that the woodcut that it's based on was of this particular mermaid. It's very possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are whoa, there are hundreds of stories I could tell, um, but those two I thought were were interesting and. Um, my sister wants me to talk about Splash, but I don't know. <laughs> wow. I was not prepared for that in the slightest. I mean, I was going to talk about a little bit about um, <laughs> Aquaman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The we had some Aquaman the discussions. Of the, the peach punching emoji combination. Yeah, no, Aquaman, it fills me with rage because he's too pretty. And, and it was, okay, so basically, for, for people listening, when Melanie and I were doing our research through the week, I was asking her, like, what the perimeters of people were, and that if any humanoid that lived under the sea counted, and obviously Aquaman, I had to mention Aquaman, and Melanie Came was up, like, yeah. fucking hell yeah, Aquaman counts. So both of us independently watched it for obvious <laughs> reasons. <laughs> For research. <laughs> for research. Yes. For research yeah. purposes. <laughs> not at all for we're, any other reason whatsoever. Yeah. We're, and we're not sitting here saying that it is an amazing cinematic achievement. It is not. No. But it is pretty. It's very pretty. There's lots That's of fair. pretty things about it. There's lots there's, of there's... pretty mermen. Lots of pretty yeah. merlays. <laughs> There were not enough nipples in that movie, though. I'm just saying. There weren't. I was woefully under-nippled. But the nipples that were on show were pretty mighty nipples. For perfection. <laughs> They're glorious. Uh, mm-hmm. I 
okay. I think it's one of the more fun ones. Um, it definitely has some moments where you're you're just like, what is this unbelievable? It's too long. It is it's too long. Too, it's too long. But yeah. there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things about it that just makes you just like, ah, cool. Two and a half hours of my day, or almost three hours of my day watching this. It's, uh, there are worse things in the world. There are worse things I could do. Yeah, I was, I was just sitting there making some stone bracelets for my work, and I was just, just every time I looked up, I was like, oh, this is pretty. There, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. Punching peaches left and right. Oh, peach punching! It's so good. <laughs> There is no better. This is perfect. It's perfect. So okay, what about so, Splash? <laughs> I don't know. My, Mikey wanted me to mention Splash. Um, it is, it is another one of those movies that we grew up on and we were we watched way too many times. Mm-hmm. It is eighties, eighties, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daryl Hannah, Tom Hanks, mermaid movie. But I have a better mermaid movie to bring up. My favorite mermaid movie. Okay. She Creature. Don't think I've seen it. Oh my god. She Creature is the best. Okay. Sorry. Didn't mean to yell. I didn't mean to yell. Sorry. So, She Creature. It was a made for TV movie. Uh, I think it was on Cinemax. And it has two of the people that I had the biggest crushes on when I was in high school, which was Rufus Sewell or Sewell? Sewell, yeah. Yeah, Rufus Sewell and Carla Gugino. Mm, no. Whatever happened to Rufus Sewell? I don't know, but my nipples are hard just talking about him. Oh, God. I recall, so, I recall so, this crush, but I don't recall this film. Oh, boy. Okay, so Carla Gugino, if you don't know who she is, she was in Sin City, Watchmen, Gerald's Game. Just. Which one in Sin City? painfully hot she was um marv's psychologist was it marv right oh yes 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 yes, yes, yes yeah, yeah. marv merv or marv yeah yeah marv. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that guy the big guy yeah he's uh, psychologist was... yeah yeah oh, all right okay. she's so hot oh yeah she's so got like she a european her. look to her yeah she's gorgeous so Rufus and Carla are two carnies in 1905, and they find themselves in possession of a real mermaid. I don't want to get into the details of it, because if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. It's I'm not... It down. It's so good. It's... Uh, uh. There is every uh, possibility that I will be able to watch it tonight, so... Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a perfect movie. It's not some huge cinematic achievement. It's a Cinemax made-for-TV movie thing. Um, but the mermaid is gorgeous. She's played by Rhea Kilstead, and I think she was actually in Dexter as a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Um, gorgeous, really beautifully well done. And they have to transport her via ship to the Americas. And let's just say that while a mermaid is in a tank on a ship, things get complicated. (laughs) And let's just say it's a monster movie. Monster movies. I love monster movies. It's a mermaid monster movie. It is the best. I suspect from the title, she creature, that the mermaid is not what she seems. Not so much. Oh god, it's so good. I want to watch it right now. I wanted to watch it last night, but my flipping DVD player up here won't open, <laughs> so I couldn't oh. watch it. So it was sad. 
so I have to watch it downstairs, but it was I was too tired to watch it last night. Anyway, whatever. Um, also, a new one that I watched is called The Mermaid by Stephen Chow, made mm-hmm. in 2016. You know Stephen Chow, though, yeah? Remind me. Kung Fu Hustle. Right. Uh, yeah. I love Stephen Chow. Huge Stephen Chow fan. And he made a mermaid movie. And it's cheeseball, and it's ridiculous, but it is beautiful, and it is so much fun. And it, it describes itself as a Chinese fantasy rom-com, but it's a bit darker than that. Mm-hmm. Like, the way Stephen Chow generally tends to do it, they can be a romantic comedy, but then there's some, like, dark weirdness that just kind of flows through it. Let's just say one of my favorite scenes involves a man who's half octopus who, uh, you know, bottom half of his body is octopus. Mm. And he ends up trying to pretend that he is a chef and he's trying to do the whole, um, you know, cutting up of chicken and fish and stuff on the, on the big grill. Why am I forgetting what that's called? Yeah. I know what you mean though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he cuts up his tentacles and he's just like cutting up his own tentacles and trying to cook it. And the whole time he's just like trying not to scream in agony. Oh, it's fucking funny. It's so good. Okay. What do you think about the, what, what kind of expectations do you have for the remake of the Disney little mermaid that is being made um, currently? I have, as is my rule right now with the Disney remakes, mm-hmm. I have, literally no expectations yeah yeah i could I, care less actually yeah Sorry, I, I find oh, it god oh god oh god oh god i couldn't care less that is the, <laughs> phrase. the phrase is i couldn't care less not i could care less <laughs> you please suck. continue <laughs> um but yeah no i i have zero expectations i mean I'll watch them, as is my way. And since I have children, I can't not. Mm. I have to. I went into Aladdin expecting to hate it, and I actually kind of enjoyed it. I went into Lion King expecting to hate it. Quite enjoyed it. So as long as I keep my expectations low or worse, uh, I generally tend to enjoy things. No, it's like that sticker we used to be able to buy from Hot Topic. Aim low to avoid disappointment. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm kind of on the fence in terms of whether or not um, the... Okay, so I don't really care about The Little Mermaid so much, but I think a lot of people have a very deep love and um, sort of connection to very particular Disney films. Everybody has a Disney film, I think, that they think is theirs. Their Disney film. Beauty and the Beast is mine. Um, yeah, uh, everyone's got one that they feel like they've kind of got an ownership over. Yeah. And I just kind of want to say that you don't, and it's time to let go of that. You don't have ownership of that film. They're making films for a new generation of children who are not going to be as entertained as we were. Uh, you know, sorry, let me phrase that. But they're making films for a new generation of um, children who are used to things being a certain way. And also yeah. they want to get you in there at the same time, enjoying it in a new way. So they don't want to yeah. just give you the same thing again while you're trying to entertain your children. At the same time, I am a little bit peeved at the whole concept of this resurgence like this this uh, this need to remake things it's getting ridiculous 
Well, see, my, my big problem is, I think my biggest problem is, if you're going to remake them, redo it. Do different songs. Do different something. I don't need the exact same song sung differently. I don't need that. Is Nobody that needs that. Yes. Aladdin, all the exact same songs. Beauty and the Beast, all the exact same songs. Lion King, all the exact same songs. It's like, do different fucking songs, you lazy um, dickwads. Sorry. See, <laughs> the reason why I, um, I, I, I'm surprised by that is because I, I genuinely haven't watched them because I kind of already know that I won't, that they're not for me, that I, I, yeah. I'm perfectly happy with my Disney version, although yeah. I'm not entirely happy with those versions because they are not perfect and I'm very yeah. much aware of that. Um, I just haven't watched them because they seem a little bit cheesy to me. However, I will probably watch them once they come into like streaming services. So if I'm able to get it in my home, I will probably yeah. watch them. But going out to view them is a very um, minute possibility because there are other things I'd rather go and see. Um, yeah. But The Little Mermaid is not one that I'm particularly attached to i was a, a little bit attached to aladdin but with this one i'm not particularly attached however what has made me more interested in it than all the rest of them is actually the reason why it is actually is so controversial is the fact that they've cast a black woman yes. as ariel that is actually piquing my interest not yeah. deterring me because that makes me think they're going somewhere different with this. God, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So they can conceivably do the same story with a, a dark-skinned, Afro-looking woman, can they? Yeah. Yeah. So there has to be, they must be doing something different with it. And so instead of me thinking, oh, it's another remake, I'm thinking, nah, they're doing something with this one slightly different. This one might be a little bit, you know, this one I might go and watch. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Having found out that mermaid myths exist um, all over the world, it makes it very, very possible that she could be set anywhere. And it doesn't have anywhere. to be, yeah, it doesn't have to be France like is in the Disney version. It's France, right? Yeah, it's France. It's one that was somewhere in Europe. Yeah. It doesn't. Does it actually state, or does it just say it's like Europe somewhere? Yeah, yeah, it's Implied. just white. Yeah, just white. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we could have like a Caribbean Little Mermaid going on, or That'd you know, cool. yeah, or like just African in general. But it just would be like, I, I think it makes it seem like they're gonna go somewhere different. I hope so. And if they could do different songs, that'd be great. They won't. They're going to do the exact same songs. And it's not that I don't love the Disney songs. I do love the Disney songs. I just think it's very, very lazy mm. to do them again. I I have a weakness for Will Smith. And him doing the genie, I, I didn't hate. But at the same time, it's like, do something that's more in your wheelhouse. Do, do a different fucking song. They did a new song for Aladdin. And it's actually Willow's favorite song. Both my kids still prefer the Disney cartoon to the movie. Mm. But there's this one sing that song that Jasmine sings 
which is quite profound about a woman, uh, you know, refusing to go speechless. And it actually, weirdly enough, on a personal level, makes me sob. But to me, it hits me more from a mental illness standpoint, from when you're like so in your head with emotional illness that you can't speak. That's mm -hmm. how that song hits me, less from a feminist perspective and more from a mental health perspective. But I'm getting off topic. Still, it was it was a really beautiful song, and I really loved, I appreciated a new song. And I, I yeah, that's, I'm on a kick with that. I'm kind of mad about it. Mm. But there is one more fun little fact, random little factoid that I found about mer people. Merfolk. Merfolk. <laughs> and it's actually not about merfolk, it's about humans. It is a genetic deformity. Are you going to talk? Oh no, I'm going to let you go, but I think I know where you're going with this. Shoot. You may know where I'm going with this. It is not a lighthearted bit. So, looking up mermaids and being a crazy person, mildly obsessed with genetic deformities, I found a thing. Sirenomelia. Unfortunately, it seems to be mostly fatal. With very rare success stories, it is still strangely beautiful. Sirenomelia is when the legs of a fetus fuse together, often with the feet pointing to left and right at the base of the feet, much like a mermaid's tail. Sirenomelia. Mm. Um, it's it's sad but beautiful, and uh, I couldn't not mention it because uh, I learned it and I had to share it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't what I thought. I thought you were going to talk about the aquatic ape theory, which I'm so excited to talk about in a future episode. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's this idea that uh, humans, as in Homo sapiens, returned to the sea, or to at least to water, for a period of our evolution. It's called the aquatic ape theory. That nice. is literally that is on our list. I can't wait to talk about it. You'll learn all <laughs> about it. You'll love it. And I'll be like, ah! <laughs> that's a human evolution thing but i have one little fact um i want to end with as well before we before you do the social medias yes the most terrifying mermaid that has ever been produced for popular culture is the fiji mermaid in the episode of x files yeah yeah and that's not that's not a, a an objective opinion i mean that's not a subjective opinion that is fact that is <laughs> most terrifying mermaid ever created for popular culture is the Fiji mermaid from that episode of yeah. X-Files. It, like, crawls around on the floor. Can't even look that up right now. Like, like going after people's ankles. Yeah. That's oh. right. That was all fucked up. Oh, God. I, I'm actually still traumatized from that episode. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I love, I love horrifying. I love... <sighs> Twisted mermaids. I love monster mermaid monsters. I love sea creature monsters anyway. But yeah, mermaid monsters, the greatest. Like uh, Cabin in the Woods. Mm -hmm. What a fucking great mermaid that was. <laughs> How beautiful was that mer creature? I loved it. I loved it. I love monsters. Monsters are my favorite things. And if you can, yeah, throw a human uh, humanoid <laughs> humanoid fish creature at me, I'm just the happiest. Yeah, it's pretty good. It reminds me of something that would be on the um, margin lines of an old map. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. One of those sort of gross sea creatures. Oh, okay. So, yeah. 
So if you have any mermaid tales that you wish we had covered, I also will eventually at some point maybe be putting together some uh, little episodes for YouTube where I discuss things that maybe we didn't get to in uh, our podcast episodes. So if you have any ideas for things in our past episodes or in this episode in particular that you'd like me to cover, please email us at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a message or just hit us up in general on our social media at zombiefishbowl or zombiefishbowlpodcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're easy enough to find and we love hearing from you. Mm-hmm. Also, now that we are on iTunes, we'd really appreciate if you subscribe, leave us a review, throw some stars at us, just generally uh, pet our egos in any way you can. We'd super appreciate it. Yes, please. Yeah. You got it. (laughs) Right. So shall we choose next week's topic? Give us a topic. Okay. I'm going to sing first. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Random topic picker. Random topic picker. You're a random topic picker and you're going to pick a topic. Boo! Ooh. Multi-haunts. Same ghost different place oh okay cool so basically when i wrote that on the list i was thinking along the lines of when you said about robert e lee having haunted multiple places and then i remember elvis also haunts multiple places and marilyn monroe also haunts multiple places so if we can have a deep dive into the world of multi-haunts and find some cool recurrences of the same spirit but in different places might be quite cool um so this will be one where i relax my academic paper rule and try to find some cool stories of um some individual that has multiple haunting locales yeah cool nice that's gonna be fun so that's our topic. Melanie, do you have a quote for us? I do, I do. This is from A Survival Guide for Landlocked Mermaids by Margot Dutz. And it seems like a really interesting read, actually. Uh, seems quite feminist, but I don't, need mo- don't know much about it. I just have it on my list of books to read. Okay. But this quote I thought was nice. Darwin may have been quite correct, his theory that man descended from the apes of the forest, but surely woman rose from the frothy sea, as resplendent as Aphrodite on her scalloped chariot. Lovely. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Right, We're just prettier. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Why not both, as will be discussed in the Aquatic Ape episode eventually? Yeah. Yeah. So, my anthropology tutors, if they ever listen to this, are squirming in their little chairs right now, going, "No, no, don't do it, Barry, no." <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Anyway, um, right. So, thanks for listening. We hope you learned something and that you enjoyed yourself while you got smarter. We should always be on a quest for more knowledge and always challenge ourselves to see other possibilities and maybe even change our minds if the evidence is strong enough. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Oh, and don't panic! Thank you, bye! Don't panic! <laughs>